today, you probably thought we'd talk about women, but we're going to talk about kids. Now, I love talking about kids. I like kids. I like ornery kids. I like, um, I know sometimes um, parents, when summer, at the end of summer, they just can't wait for their kids to go back to school. And I know Nancy and I, we're just the opposite. I love having the kids home. I would be like some of the Eastern Indian tribes, and, you know, they just had their their um, lodge, and then when the family expanded, they just expanded the lodge and then expanded the lodge. and just That would be fine with me. I think there's something nice about that. <laughs> you know, I can do the cooking, and they can make the money, and and whatever, and I think it's it's good for families, and families have become so spread out, and I don't think that's really beneficial, but we have to deal with what we deal with, but I like the extended family, I like my kids around, I like to have fun with them, and um, it's kind of boring when they're not all around all the time, life's more fun, I thought, you know, when when Caleb and Kaylee were gone, and Micah was out of school, and and I'd have more time to myself, and I found out I just work more. <laughs> I don't go out. I just end up and I work more. And I don't do the fun things. There aren't the ball games to go to and and all the fun things that we do. And and um, so I like having the kids around. So um, if you would open your Bibles to Hosea chapter 4. Hosea is a little hard to find. It's after... Uh, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and then not too far after that is Daniel and then Hosea. And we'll start out, this is going to be kind of heavy, but we won't stay heavy the whole time. Ooh, somebody not happy. That's all right, we're talking about making kids happy. (laughs) Hosea chapter 4. Verses 1 through 6, and um, I decided to start with one. It really isn't the meat of what I want to talk about, but but we'll get to that in verse 6. It says, hear the word of the Lord. I think this whole, you need the whole thing to get the whole perspective on what is being said here. It says, hear the word of the Lord, you children of Israel, for the Lord brings a charge or a directive against the inhabitants of the land, there is no truth or mercy or knowledge of God in the land. Now, this is what I'm, this is a heavy, if you stop and think about, and I don't like to be negative all the time, but the the United States of America and where it's at as a whole right now, and then you read this scripture, and it makes you stop and think. It says there is no truth or mercy or knowledge of God in the land. I, I read that on the west coast, California, Oregon, out in that area, they did a survey and like 33% of the people on the west coast don't even believe there's a God. That's a lot of people. That's millions of people. And it just, we don't, we have such a good life here in the Midwest, we really do. I mean, we have our hardships, we have our problems, but compared to the rest of the world, we have it so good, and I don't think we even realize, you know, what what it's like in, in this 
older, you know, they called this generation, the ones that now are in their 90s, the ones that fought in World War II and those, the greatest generation. And, and they were great in the respect that they came through all the hardships of the Depression and the wars, and, and they came back and they built a great America or a better life, and their goal was to build a great life for their generations after, and they did that, except I think they missed one thing. They made it so easy and comfortable for all of us that we've gotten really soft and cushy. And and so then we take for granted we all we have, we've never had any hardships, and we don't realize what it could be like. And so uh, it says there's no truth or mercy or knowledge of God in the land. By swearing and lying, we see a lot of that, killing and stealing and committing adultery, they break all restraint. It's lawlessness. With bloodshed upon bloodshed, therefore... The land will mourn, and everyone who dwells there will waste away. With the beasts of the field and the birds of the air, even the fish of the sea will be taken away. Let no man contend or rebuke another, for your people are like those who contend with the priests. Now, if you study that out, that's really where a lot of the United States is right now. It's it's as let um, those... For your people are like those who contend with the priest. In other words, to contend with the priest is to reject the God-ordained authority in the land. And I can't believe and thank God that our government honored Billy Graham. But of all the godly men in the world, there were people that were mad because they let his body lie in state in the rotunda of the Capitol and they're given this, you know, he was evil because he doesn't believe like we do, or he was evil because there should be separation of religion and state and all this garbage. And what it is is just what it's talking about here. It's, it's rejection, rejection of God's ordained authority. They don't know and they don't want to know. And it says, therefore, you shall stumble in the day. That's talking about the nation. Because of this attitude, you will stumble in the day. The prophet also shall stumble with you in the night. That really means, if you read that, the false prophet. And there's lots of false prophets out there. As there are many voices in the, the earth. And there's some false prophets out there. And I will destroy, it says, my Bible says, and I will destroy your mother. Better translation is nation. I will destroy your nation. Because my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. You know, not knowledge of the higher institutions like Harvard and those. They've got plenty of that, but knowledge of the things of God. Because you have rejected knowledge, I, will, I also will reject you for being priests for me. We're all kings and priests. Because you have forgotten the law of your God, I also will forget your children. Now, that's, that's a heavy, and that's kind of where the United States is right now. And thank God, I think that the Midwest and, and the, just the down-to-earth people are the hope and salvation. Jesus is the hope and salvation, but, you know, we just think that we're insignificant out here. Do you ever feel insignificant to all these voices out there? But the family and the home and the church, that's the backbone. And 
And I don't know about you, but I don't want my children and my grandchildren forgotten of God. And so there's some things that we have to do. And and it, he's talking about being destroyed because of lack of knowledge. And he's talking about lawlessness. So we need to understand our children need to know and have the understanding of the things of God. They need knowledge of the things of God. They need knowledge of Jesus and the people around us do. So um, it talks about in verse 4, They re- uh, let me read that. It says, now let no man contend or rebuke another for your people are like those who contend with the priest. To re- contend here means to, re- to rebuke, to struggle, to oppose, to vie, to dispute, debate, and that's all. I've just quit listening to the news because I'm just tired of all the disputing and debate, debating and contesting and trying to impeach the president. He was elected correctly. We need to do that. Obama was elected, and and nobody disputed that. We just have to get on and, and go on with these things and, and do it correctly, but it doesn't mean you just sit back and do nothing. And But this this outward struggle in this nation, it's a divide, and it's a dangerous thing, and, and not a lot of things scare me, but that does because of where we could go. But that being my heavy, there are things we can do to make sure that our children, our grandchildren aren't forgotten of God, that they don't forget God, and that even though we are insignificant and our voice is quiet in the Midwest and in the small churches, they count for something because if each one of them do something, then then we can reverse this trend. So we're going to talk about in the next few months, we won't get it all done today, there are six scriptural goals for raising children. And you say, well, my kids are already raised, but you're going to have grandchildren. And you are around kids. And bless God, I've always thought one of the most important ministries in the church is the preschool and the nursery and the children's church. And so, if, you know, you have to realize how much we appreciate that and what you are doing. And so you're around, you have an ability and opportunities to affect children and young people all the time. And I just encourage you to do that as often often as you can. So six scriptural goals for raising children, characteristics that your children should have. Okay, so look up Luke chapter 1. Luke's a little easier to find. And these are going to probably be different than what you think. I think Christians over-spiritualize things too much and try to make it too hard and try to shove something down. And there's just some good guidelines in in uh, the scriptures that help us deal with these things. When we had the guy from 88 Tactical out here teaching the security, he he mentioned, uh, uh, he said, you know, this the shooting in Florida had just taken place and all the debate about changing all the laws and all, of, all these things and what, you know, they're teaching people kids in school or not teaching he says what the problem is we take try to take low brain problems and offer high brain solutions for them in other words we have a higher thinking and we have just basic needs and sometimes we try to rationalize or 
overthink the solution to the problem. Low, low brain problems need low brain solutions. And we try to educate too much and it doesn't come down to reality. Caleb has worked, has been working in, in uh, Kearney at what's called Baldwin Filters and he liked the job a lot because they treat, they've treated them really well and he likes his hours and the benefits and they treat them well and, and they were bought out by a company called Parker Hannafin, which is a Baldwin's big company, but Parker Hannafin is a big, big company. And now they're making all these changes and the people are not very happy. They aren't changes to benefit the people. And what happens is something gets so big and complicated that we overlook the basic, the basic needs of the people that are working for you or, you know, and even churches. Churches can get so big or governments can get so big that it complicates everything. And I, sometimes we just need to get back to just the low brain solutions. And so that's what I want to talk to you about. So in Luke chapter 1, verse 80, way back there. This is talking about John the Baptist. It says about John the Baptist, So the child grew and became strong in spirit and was in the deserts till the day of his manifestation to Israel. So it talks about, as you read the scriptures, that John was the greatest of all men other than Jesus, of the best of the prophets, the, the whole thing. He was the cream of the crop. And this is what it tells us about him. As a child, he grew and became strong in spirit. So that's a good indication of what God wants our children. To, they, he wants them to grow physically, spiritually, be strong in spirit, and of good, sharp, productive minds. Now, over in Luke chapter 2, look at verse 40. So John talks about he's the the greatest of all among the men. And then it goes to Jesus. The only one greater was Jesus. And here in, in uh, Luke chapter 2, now it talks about Jesus. And it says, And the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. So here we have two examples. It says, Out of the mouth of two witnesses, let everything be established. What does God want for his children? He wants them to grow in stature. And he wants them to grow in spirit, in wisdom. And stature, simply, it's a low brain thing. He just wants them to grow up and be healthy and strong in body. And that really shouldn't, if we lived over in Africa, that would be a struggle. But here, that should not be a struggle for us, for the most part. And so, what we need to think about, from the time the kids are little, we want them to grow in stature physically and to be in health and to become strong in spirit. Now, one, one more scripture in in same chapter, Luke 2, verse 52. And it, again, it says it again about Jesus. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and favor with God and man. Jesus came to the earth, and he grew as a child just like every other child. So the one thing we want... Number one goal for our children is we want them to grow and increase in stature. That means in physical development. You know, we went through with Micah. When he was in second grade, he just quit growing. 
tall. He got puffy and fat, and it happened gradual, and we didn't understand what was going on. And then we just found out that there was, his thyroid wasn't functioning, and, and there was an easy solution, and he grew in stature. But at that time, we thought, what if he doesn't grow? His whole life is just going to be warped. It won't be productive. It won't be, be right. He won't be healthy. But thank God he was. But you just think about that. We want our children to grow and be healthy. And in the United States, that's just so basic. But how much do we think about it? And that's what I said. Christians tend to spiritualize too much. But to for your children to be prepared for life and productivity, doing what God has placed in them to do, it starts with strong, healthy bodies. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And you've heard these scriptures before. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Nineteen and twenty. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Now, we are a three-part being. We go over this and over this because people don't stop and realize it sometimes. It talks about it in First Thessalonians. You are a spirit. That's what is created in the likeness of God. And when you're born again, the spirit of the living God comes and indwells and makes alive your spirit unto God. So you are a spirit. You live in a body, a natural body. And when you die, that's what dies. The spirit lives forever, but the body dies. And you have a soul. That's your mind, your will, and your emotions. So all three of those things are tied together. And we realize it's, it's like I said, it's low brain. It's the, the beginning, the basis of taking care of everything else is on earth is taking care of our body. And we need to do that, and we need our children to develop the body, the mind, and the spirit that God gave them, and it is the responsibility as parents to make sure that is ha- that happens. And so very basically, we want our kids to be physically strong, active, and robust. We do not want our children to be weak, frail, sickly, and wimpy, and the, this nation has developed just from the 50s on down a co- constantly a weaker, weaker, wimpier nation. And not everybody, but just as a whole. I got on before I went to bed last night, and I read the news, and it was talking about daylight savings time. I love daylight savings time. Maybe you don't, but I do, because I like daylight, and I like to be out at night in the summer, and I like the whole thing. And, oh, but, but that one hour of sleep and and it makes everybody sick, and it makes them productive. And I think, my gosh, if we just can't go to bed one hour earlier so we can get up one hour you know, earlier, if we can't even take that as a nation, I think we're lost. I mean, talk about weak, wimpy. And, and I was over at Dollar General, and there was an, a woman that works over there, Oh, she goes, I just I just hate daylight savings time. I just can't adjust to daylight savings time. And 
And bless God for the potato chip delivery guy. He says to her, you know, just set your clock. When it says time to get up, get up and just forget about it and go on with your life. Yes, potato chip guy, just go on. Just get over it. And we just dwell on such little sissy, wimpy things. And you don't want to do that with your kids. We need to make them strong and robust and able to handle situations that come their way. But to neglect the body is to disparage the temple of God. We need fit bodies. Fit bodies are of great benefit in developing sharp minds and strong spirits, and I think we overlook that. We need the body to because it affects the mind and the spirit. Now, I went to Oral Roberts University, and if you know a lot of you maybe don't know Oral Roberts, but Oral Roberts was... In the time of the great healing movement, he was what Billy Graham was to evangelism. He was to faith healing. He had so many miracles and signs, and and he was a he prayed for people, had wonderful miracles. When the healing movement kind of waned, and I, God always wants to heal, but there's things that God will accentuate at different times. He built this university by the direction of God. And the thing that always interested me was how much that university, especially, I'm not so sure now, I think it's probably the same, it dwelt not just on developing the mind but, and the spirit, but also the body. To go to ORU every semester, you have to take a PE class. The first two semesters... It's called Health Fitness 1 and Health Fitness 2, and it just is great teaching on how to take care of your bodies, how to work out properly, how to exercise properly, how to um, eat properly, all those things. And then the other semesters you're there, you still have to take a PE class, and there's all kinds of them. But to pass the PE class, you have to do a certain amount of physical activity every week. And if you're going to graduate, you have to pass these classes. Because what he wanted to do was develop and maintain a hab- habits of physical health because he believed that he wouldn't have had to pray for half as many people if they'd just taken care of themselves. Yes, there's sicknesses and diseases that, that we need prayer for, but a lot of it could be taken care of if you just learn to take care of yourself. And a lot of times you would pray for people and they would get healed, but then they would just go back into the habits that promoted these health issues, so it was very ineffective. So he believed, and I agree with him, that we need to have healthy lifestyles because it's God's will that we prosper and be in health even as our souls prosper. So he... The other thing that you had to do at ORU was you couldn't graduate until you could swim. You had to pass a swimming proficiency, and people didn't get that. And the hardest thing was for the girls from Africa. The African girls had a terrible time because they grew up, a lot of them didn't, you would think they would know how to swim, but they never knew how to swim and they were afraid of the water because of the things that were in the water and because they couldn't swim. Now, I had a friend at ORU, and her parents were missionaries in 
Panama, and she grew up in the jungles in Panama. And she had two of her toes missing on her foot because she was sitting dangling her feet in the water and piranha ate her toes off. So you can see why they grow up afraid of, of the water. And, but he believed that if the, his thing was, the vision was to send people into all the world to preach the gospel. And if you're going to go into all the world, that meant you were going to go to places like Panama and Africa and all these places, and you needed to be physically strong and have the skills and ability to deal with being in those places. And so that was his thought behind all that. And, and I, you know, I think it's good. I think every kid should learn to swim just to be able to protect themselves and take care of themselves. And, and it should be easy here in the United States, just basic swimming things, basic physical things. Oh, that's not religious. No, it's not religious, but it's things that we need to do. There are things that our kids just need to develop physical survival skills. And granted, yes, we don't need them every day, but it's good to have these things. Now, we get parental wrong thinking. I want to deal with parental, I call it parental wrong thinking. Years ago, when skateboarding, they they did the skateboard, the skate park. And we had the skate ramps out here, and everybody was in the skateboarding craze. And we had people that did not want their kids to skate. And that's fine. You know, I'm not saying you have to do this. Your kids have to be a skateboarder, or they're never going to survive. My our kids just liked it. Colby liked it. A lot of the kids here liked it. But the ones that didn't want their kids to skate, it was because they didn't want their kids to get hurt. And, you know, you stop and think about that. That's really wrong thinking at the basic level. Because what things like skateboarding produce or promote is physical health, activity, agility, quick footwork, all the things that you need to take care of yourself, good physical things. And, and yet we're so afraid, and I have never in my life, and I'm sure there have been some, but I do not know one kid that's died from skateboarding. But I know lots of kids that have died from alcohol poisoning, over alcohol consumption, overdoses on meth, car accidents, but we dwell on some simple little thing that's really beneficial and we don't want to do it because parents and especially women tend to want to overprotect. And I think that's a real danger. And so play and activity is good, whether it's skateboarding, what swimming, whatever it is, your kids need to be physically active and women you need to promote that. We just don't promote enough play. Everything is so structured. Little kids especially need to play. And they need to play and have activity compared to docile, brain-deadening entertainment. And there's nothing wrong with occasional entertainment, but it should be occasional. Our bodies are meant to be active. And, of course, my degree is in P.E., 
And so many times when the kids are little, and especially with the computer craze, they say, oh, my kid's got to be on the computer at 2 and on the smartphone at 3 because this is where the world's going and we have to develop, they have to develop these skills. And, you know, I realize there's going to be more and more technology all the time and we have to deal with those. But if you understand the human body, everything's in progression just like the things of God. Until the large muscles develop, these big ones, then the little muscles don't develop. And the little, until the little muscles develop, then a kid can't read a straight line or write in a straight line. So you want to start with lots of play and lots of activity so the big muscles get strong and develop. Then the little muscles in the eye can be developed and then they can read and we get things backward. We try to get them to do this little docile things. Kids are meant to play and jump and run and climb and all these things. So we need to realize that. And that's, I know that's very simple, but too much screen time strains eyes, especially when they're small. It promotes obesity. It inhibits proper physical and mental development. Let them play. They need to play. Provide play opportunities and tools. Boxes, blocks, balls. I remember, this is funny. In, you know, I look at young women and I think they're so overprotective. I can remember when your kids were small and Gunner was little and I said, you would think Grandma Fuelberth. When I think of Carl Fuelberth's mom, I think of strong don't you? She just, I, that's the opinion that I get of her. When Gunner was little, I said something to her. Oh, you know, it's so nice that Gunner gets to go with his dad to the farm and, and has all these opportunities to help learn from his dad and work. And Grandma Fuelberg says, but Carl lets him climb on the windmill, and I think it's dangerous, and I don't like it. And I thought, it's just, it's just a woman thing. You want to protect the kids. I think even more so the grandkids. And, but it's really good for boys to climb windmills and, and develop skills and learn to take risks. And just let the grandmas and the moms, you know, I talked about that a lot. Leave the moms and the grandmas at home and let the man raise the boys a little bit. They need those things. They need to toughen up. And the men don't stew about the stuff like that. Okay, so to, pr to protect, you know, is to teach people the how, how to develop and how to take care of yourself. And, and it starts with just simple things like climbing the windmills. Okay, so you want your kids to get outside. You want them to get active. They need to have daily chores and responsibilities, and you should start them young, you know, really young. Just let them follow you around, follow Dad around. You know, hammer, nail, all these things. They, it's so simple. It's so easy, but we've tried to make it so complicated. We just need to get back to basic things. It doesn't have to always be sports. We just need to provide opportunities. Hiking, fishing, biking, dancing, sports, building, climbing, hobbies, swimming, skating, swings. Let them play. Let them just go at it 
and provide them opportunities to do it and don't feel guilty. Some people think that they just have to sit and hover and, and make your kids read before they go to school, and that's not necessarily true. They need to be active. They just need to do these things. We need to build strong bodies. Strong, building strong bodies does some, it builds strength and confidence. That's so simple, but strong bodies promote strength and confidence. Inner strength is built while developing physical skills. Kids should be able to run, to jump, to swim, to throw a ball, to skate, because as they develop those physical skills, it builds an inner strength. When a kid can first drop in off of a skateboard ramp, they have accomplished the world. They have conquered the world, and they will go to the next thing, and we need to let them do things like that. As they develop skills, they gain courage. They develop confidence, healthy habits, abilities to face challenges. Strong bodies are capable of enduring hardship, dealing with adversity, and prepared for life's challenges. We need to become overcomers. We need our children to learn to be overcomers and not victims. They need to be capable of helping others. Healthiness promotes happiness. Healthiness promotes productivity and long life. To stay strong and alert, you need to be involved in rugged or challenging activities. You know, and we have, like I said, we've become such a soft nation. And, and, you know, and I'm talking to women, and I think, here back to your family, but Jasmine, one of the best things I think you did in preparing for the Miss Nebraska contest was getting great shape. And you worked hard, and it prepared you for the challenge. you know, as you're working, it, you, you become focused, and in, in that, I think it made a big difference. And so, you know, don't be afraid to let your girls work out. The girls aren't going to become muscle men. Jasmine hasn't become more masculine because she worked out a lot, okay? But it, it, she just got in great shape, and it was a good thing. And so we can't be afraid of those things. We can't overlook those things. And... You know, around here, um, challenging, it's, it's different. You know, it's like we don't have hiking places. Always when we go on vacation, and I just like to do stuff like this, but I always made sure every year when we went on vacation, we did something that was physically challenging or fun or made you face your fears, whether it be roller coasters or whitewater rafting or horseback riding. Last year we went zip lining. Just, you know, occasionally you need to get out of your box and do some of those things and stretch yourself. Not only the kids, but adults need it too because we've just, you can just grow old and frumpy, and I don't want to grow old and frumpy. I want to continue to be challenged and, and go on to those things so we can... We need to look for activities that do that. We went, a couple years ago, we went to Okaboji, and I had never jet skied, and I wanted to jet ski, so we rented the jet ski, and Caleb and Kaylee were with us, and we loved it. It was a blast, and that's, you know, that's something different. We were out in the middle of the lake, and it's like 120 feet deep, and Mike had dumped me off the jet ski, so that was a challenge, but 
The next day, we went sailing, and we had a guy take us out sailing. And you'd think that's a nice, passive, docile activity. It freaked Kaylee out. She did not like it. I don't know. I think she thought that sail was going to swing around and knock her off. <laughs> Whatever. She did not like it, but it's fun. You've got to challenge yourself sometimes. Scare the bejeebers out of yourself sometimes. You know, do something different and get out of your box and let your kids do the same thing. So we need to build strong bodies. Second thing, and I'm going long, I'm sorry. It talked about growing in wisdom and in stature in favor with God and man. We wanted to be strong in body and we need to be strong in spirit. Both it talked about in with John and Jesus, they grew in stature and in, in spirit, in strength of spirit. They became strong in spirit. One reason we want our kids to become strong physically because it helps or enables them to become strong in spirit. Remember, inner strength is built while developing physical skills. Experiences that produce physical competency are incubators for developing a strong human spirit. Activities while young, of all kinds of activities, will promote that human strong human spirit you know and it doesn't have to be sports it doesn't have to be jet skiing cooking gardening chopping wood sewing any kind of skill development we need to promote in your kids and one of the things that has really aggravated me about the public school system high school and there's several things if I had to do it over again I'd probably homeschool because I think they're making wimps out of kids and they promote this herd mentality where everybody has to do the same thing and have. But they promote, when they get in high school, these counselors are promoting that the minute they graduate, they got to go off to school somewhere because they need to develop life skills. Are you going to develop more life skills in a fraternity, drinking booze every night, or at home? where mom and dad are, you know, and there's nothing wrong with going off when you're ready for it, but, you know, what life skills do you need to develop? How to write a check? You can figure that out eventually. You know, how to pay your bills? You'll get that more from being at home. I've, you know, the years I like, like I said, I like the kids at home. The years they stayed at home after high school, we put, you know, that's when they really learned to cook really learn to take care of themselves, they develop life skills. The only reason they wouldn't develop life skills living at home is if you're just deadbeats and allow them to be deadbeats. But if we're doing our job as mothers, you know, we're training them. The training process should never quit. You just have to keep giving a longer leash all the time. But where they just... The public schools just seem to want to push them out immediately, and I don't think that's necessarily a good thing. I think that first year after high school, that is a hard transition. And if it's some kids adapt with it well and some don't, they need to know where they're comfortable, and it doesn't hurt to let them stay home for a while. And you just let the leash get a little longer, and they'll get it. You know, some parents, when their kids are so little, they're so worried that that kid sucks their thumb. And how will they ever quit sucking their thumb? They will quit sucking their thumb. Okay, my mom, I've got pictures of her little. They said she was a thumb sucker. She always th sucked her thumb 
but she grew out of it. And, and your kids, if you just keep, like the robins do, just kind of keep pushing them out of the nest, but not too fast, you know, they'll, they'll get it. They'll get the life skills they need. So remember, experiences that produce physical competency are really incubators for developing strong human spirit. Activities while young, work of all ages, don't overprotect, allow your children to face and deal with challenges. Pain is not a sign to quit. Fear is not an occasion to retreat. Resistance is not an excuse to stop. Failure is an opportunity to get in position for victory. We need to develop an overcoming spirit and attitude in our kids. Develop determination, face difficulty, the ability to believe in yourself, in God that's in you, and the ability to conquer, not to be victims. Never allow your children to have this victim attitude that's prevalent today among young people. Never allow them to have a victim attitude because victim attitudes develop. Anxiety, depression, self-centeredness, sickness, bitterness, they all go hand in hand with the victim mentality. The world is promoting it. It's not God. We need to be strong. We need to be outward focused. And early childhood is very important. Prenatal, mother's emotional state probably influences the child before they're born. But the first two years of life are critical in developing self-confidence, in boldness, learning to manipulate the world around you. A can-do attitude comes from an I-did-it experience. Never should the child be shoved aside and told they're not big enough. Let them trail along, do whatever, even if you have to go back after them. You need to... to, um, put forth the effort and the time to oversee. I do not understand why people want to have kids and then they don't they want to farm them off to somebody all the time. You need to take the responsibility to raise to raise your kids and put in the effort that it takes. A weak spirit strives for attention in obnoxious ways and produces more rejection. A weak spirit promotes cowardice and rejection. And you think about these school killers, they're cowards. They've never learned how to be man. They've never learned how to deal with... You just never see boys that go hunting with their dads out killing their their friends. Put it that way. Because something's been put into them. They understand. They've learned, you know, that's just like the skateboarding. Some people are so afraid of the skateboard. Some people are so afraid of the guns. Teach them how to handle them right. And if they learn what they're for and learn how to be men, they're not going to be the most gentle, sensitive men are the ones that are real men. They know how to handle situations. They know how to protect women and children. They know how to step up to the plate, and we need to develop those skills in them and not be afraid and make sissies out of them. Board games, Xbox, smartphones do not make kids strong in spirit. But on the other hand, I'm not totally against them because one thing that just Christians will do is they try to make prudes out of your kids. Don't make your kids... They're going to be rejects from the time 
They grow up. Let them have things that normal kids have. Let them do things, that, but just develop in them the strength of spirit that they know how to, what's wrong, what's right, and how to stand against what's wrong and how to stand up for what's right. Children should learn their values from you, not from the counselors at the high school, not from the herd that they run with. They need to learn their values from you and their dads and their grandparents and the people around them. And it doesn't have to, you know, Brian, Lee Wan, bless his heart, he did so much for our boys just in the simple things. He taught Caleb how to skin a butcher a deer. He took him out bow fishing. And those things have been so much value in his life. That's the kind of things we need to put in. And, and one of the biggest mistakes Christians make, I believe, is they try to call their kids into the ministry or try to call their kids into what they should do. Let your kids find out for themselves. Find out what their passion is and just promote it. God knows what he's called them to do. Okay? When, you know, when our boys were little, I made Caleb a bow and arrow out of willows and he went through three sets of those and then we started buying it was his thing from this old all he wanted to do was shoot a bow and an arrow and and why I don't know it's something God put in them and we just need to develop those passions whether it's music whether it's you know fishing you know they can reach people that we can't because they're in that whole whatever venue and God knows what he wants them to do just see where they're going and help promote that, you know. What did Steve do? He took Carly to the State Fair. I thought that was cool. Uh, to, yeah, something, because he saw the gifts in Carly and he just took her to that. And, and the other thing that parents do is they try to force their interests on the kids. Just get out of your world and get into the kids' world. And it doesn't mean you just have to totally follow them around all the time. But just, you know, like I said last time, Mike was never a great hunter, but because the boys wanted to hunt, he became a hunter. And it was good for him as well it was from them. So, so see where you can start to see their passions from when they're really little. You know, and they'll change. There's different things that'll change. But but just go with those things and help enforce those and encourage those things. Children learn their values from you. Don't protect sensitive children. Of all the kid of our two boys, the most sensitive is Caleb. He is can be really sensitive. But you just can't protect that. You can grow up and be strong and masculine and still be sensitive. I love seeing the guys over in, in, the, in the service and they're taking care of the little kids and the dogs. And that's what, what men should learn to do. Don't protect sensitive children. They can still be sensitive, but all boys should grow to be men. You can build a strong spirit and still be sensitive. Don't take your child's personal weaknesses and failures as an ego killer for you. In other words, you can't build your whole self-esteem around your kids' accomplishments and failures. Sometimes it's good for them to have to struggle. Sometimes it's good for them to fail so that they can 
to learn to overcome failure and see as an opportunity to improve and to grow. They need to learn to overcome. It isn't developed by sitting in a circle and singing kumbaya. Strength and spirit is developed by doing things, by accomplishing things, by facing challenges, by failing and overcoming the failure. Children should not have to live their lives fulfilling your dreams. Find their passions and put in them a a way to fulfill that. Just help them get to that place where they fulfill that. Now, I'm almost done. Six things that we need to do as parents. Six things that help us along these things. Number one, you must not give your children any occasion to doubt your devotion for their welfare. In other words, we want them to to learn to be strong. We want them to take risks. We want them to, to climb windmills and do all these things, but they should never doubt your devotion for their welfare. In other words, they need to know you always have their back. They need to know that you're with them. They need to know that you're looking out for them and that you have their best interest in mind, and they need to know it. It doesn't come, you know, through just because they think, just because you think they know it. They need to know that you have their welfare in mind at all times. Number two, you must maintain fellowship with your children. Eat together, spend time together, have fun together. Don't sit and that's my thing. Don't sit and try to shove stuff. You know, Willie George, some people, and there's nothing wrong if you want to have a Bible study with your family. We just never really did. And I was surprised Willie George said that they never did. Their Bible study came when they were doing things together and just little hints along the way. Just little, you know, if, if you've got a big ball game today, then let's just pray before you go. And it doesn't have to be anything over the top. It's just the little things. They're going to look at your life more than they're going to listen to your words. Number three, you must hold your child's attention. In other words, you can't be boring, dull, and lazy. You've got to have fun. You've got to have life. You know, we used to have lots of kids at our house because they said it was just wild, you know. And sometimes our household, especially with Caleb around, is wild. They, you know, they have blow guns and they were shooting squirrels out of trees and, and <laughs> you know, and they were shooting carp with their bows in the river and tromping across and blizzards. And it was just wild at our house sometimes. And the kids loved it, but it keeps them coming home. We had some neighbors when we lived at our other house, and the kids were this little and riding trikes, and they had helmets on them. And I thought there was something wrong with the kids. I thought they were handicapped. I, I thought, oh, those poor kids, I wonder how they got two kids that are handicapped. And they had these little helmets, and they're riding their trikes, and the parents are out watching them. And then we moved to the other side of the river, and they had moved to the other side of the river. And those kids were so overprotected, they became our paper boys. And I walked out one day, and he's delivering the paper, and I just scared the, the bejeever. He just jumped like I was something evil. And, and I thought the girl hated us because when she delivered our paper, it was anywhere. And then the neighbor down the street says, 
that paper girl, oh, half the time my paper's up on the, the roof of the house, and it, they just grew up weird, you know, and because the parents so, if your kids ride a trike, don't make them wear helmets. That's just going to make, that's just, that's sick. It's just sick. And you know what, why I got there? Because those kids, the minute they graduated, they were out of that house. And I've never seen the boy come back. Caleb would run into him in Omaha. He went to Omaha, never came home. The girl's name is in the paper all the time for drugs. They just overprotected them and just made them weird. Don't overprotect your kids and make them weird. Okay? You must hold your child's attention. Don't be boring, dull. Just get out and do some fun things sometimes. Just have fun because you want your kids to come home. I want my kids to come home for the holidays. I want the kids to be around. I want to have, and I don't want that to quit when I'm 65 and they're 30, okay? I want them around me all the time as, as we all grow old together, and that means I can't become boring, dull, and lazy. I have to provide something that they want to come home for because I'm still going to be an influence on their life. When I'm 95, I'm still going to be an influence on their life, and I'm still going to hold them accountable, but if they don't ever come home because I'm a dud, then that isn't going to happen. Number four, live an ordered, responsible, productive life. Ordered, responsible, productive life, and include your children in it. Just teach them how to do things, how to live a good life, and they're going to get it from hanging out with you. And if your life isn't ordered and productive and responsible, the chances are they aren't going to be either. Number five, be clear in defining rules that govern your family. I kept, we kept our rules simple, and we probably should have been made them more disciplined. But I'm not a great disciplinarian. I just like to have fun. <laughs> but, but there have to be some guidelines. One of our guidelines was is you stand up for what's wrong, stand against for what's wrong, and stand up with what's right. And if you get in trouble for it at school, then we have your back. Okay? We expect you to defend your buddies and have their backside. We expect you to do what's right. You know, it didn't have to be complicated. You let us know where you're at. You let us know when you come home, and you mind your P's and Q's. And, and, and they just, it has to be defined, but it doesn't have to be rigid. Okay? Six, train your children mostly by example. If you are depressed and full of anxiety and sickly, they're going to learn that from you, and they're going to be like that. Train your children by example. The best way you can do that is by building order and discipline and productivity into your own life. So men are were made to protect and provide. You say, why are we talking about kids? What about the role of the women? This is the role of the women. Women need to train and nurture. They need to work with the men, with the husbands, to protect and provide, but the women provide, and you can say what you want, the women provide the softer side. And nurturing isn't babying. Nurture is to care for, to encourage growth and development in someone. And you say, well, my kids are grown. I'm telling you, Mary Jane is nurturing somebody every day. 
no matter how old you are, you need some nurture. And there are plenty of people out there that need to be nurtured. So women, your responsibilities are to train and to nurture, to care for, to encourage, to, to help them develop and grow. And like I said, even when I'm 95, there's still going to be room to nurture. They're always going to need encouragement. They're always going to need somebody that believes in them. They're always going to need somebody that has their back. And like Diane said in that beginning, she's, she's learned to pray. I ne- Mike always liked to pray. I always liked to read. I never liked to pray as much. But it, having children taught me how to pray. You know, and it, you don't need to, to just hover over them, but, man, you can pray all the time and pray the word of God. Pray the word of God into their life and ask the Holy Spirit. He will show you how to pray for them. So next time we're going to go over uh, a couple other things, but the two things today, be strong in body, be strong in spirit, and that's what we want to develop in the young people. We want our the kids in this church, and, and I, you know, I love it. I loved it when they used to be out on the parking lot playing football every week. And, well, that's not very religious, but that's what they should be doing. That's They need to be doing that or skateboarding or doing those things, just Don't get religious. Don't get super spiritual. Just let them be kids and influence their life with good things. Heavenly Father, we thank you. It's your will, Father God, that we live our lives in all godliness and honesty and peace and quietness. And Father God, that we want your will to be done in the lives of the children, in our families, and in this church, that they might grow in wisdom and in stature and in physical health, that they might... Uh, prosper in all things and be in health, Father God, even as their souls prosper. So we call the young people of this church strong, mentally, physically, spiritually, and prosperous in Jesus' name. Thank you. I don't know if the guys are done or not. I don't know how long I went. It was long. I'm sorry, but um, I appreciate it. It It's important. I just think it's important. It is important to me the kids and the young people because that's the future and that's what God was saying in Hosea don't forget the kids don't forget to train the kids so just go home and enjoy your kids and spend time with them and just influence them and nurture them and have a good week